Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, has now confirmed that he is under federal investigation. And while he says this has something to do with tax issues, we're finally getting reporting from the mainstream media that, in fact, this has something to do with potential money laundering and illicit business dealings with China. My friends, this may be the biggest media scandal in U.S. history. When the story broke about Hunter Biden's potential wrongdoing and the fact that Joe Biden himself may have been in on the take, the media said it was Russian disinformation. NPR said it's not news and we won't waste time with distractions. They lied to us, covered up the truth, in, in my opinion, to help Joe Biden get elected, to install an individual who was corrupt and compromised. A man named Tony Bobulinski, who worked with the Biden family, came forward and said the Bidens are compromised. We saw the story, but big tech and big media did everything they could to suppress it. Following the election, a poll was conducted of American citizens and found a large portion did not know that Hunter Biden was potentially uh, under investigation or that he had been involved in illicit business dealings with China. They learned of this from the questions in the poll and said, had they known, they would not have voted for Joe Biden. A, a small portion, but large enough that Joe Biden likely would not have won. Now, it's just one poll. Maybe it's not true. But in my opinion, I think if the American people had real journalism informing them that Joe Biden, the big guy, was getting a cut of illicit business dealings, they probably would not have voted for him. The media wanted this man in power and congratulations. While Donald Trump is signing historic peace agreements today between Morocco and Israel, we look forward to the prospect of a corrupt individual who is compromised by China. Now, of course, this, inv this investigation isn't proof positive they're corrupted or uh, compromised by China. But just the other day, about a day or so ago, a video went viral of a Chinese professor named Di Dongsheng, who bragged that now that Trump is out, they will be able to sway U.S. policy, that before Trump, they had old friends helping them manipulate U.S. policy. He goes on to mention that Donald Trump was talking about Hunter Biden's business dealings. And he says, Hunter Biden became very wealthy, but who do you think helped him do it? And the audience laughs. And he says, got it. This is the biggest media scandal of my lifetime, at least. You may know the story of Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald is, in my opinion, one of the most consequential journalists of our generation. He's the one who published the NSA leaks. He was forced to resign from the news organization he founded because they refused to report on these stories about Hunter Biden and his corruption. And now we're learning a month after the election why Glenn was right. And many of these outlets were right, but they were being protected and the media would not be honest with the American people. My friends, journalism is dead. What has replaced it is a corrupt propagandistic establishment to serve the elites. That's it. The democracy that we claim to have, that many on the left claim we have, cannot be served so long as the American people have no idea what's really happening. Years of, of, of claims of Russian disinformation, accusations against Trump, and it turns out it's the Bidens. And it was the media who was doing everything in their power to protect them. And I'm going to stop right there and say this. Many people in the comments are probably already saying, Tim, we know the media is corrupt. We know they do this. Yep. But now we have possibly the biggest confirmation 
that the, the, the press in this country have been doing everything in their power to hurt the American people, to empower the corrupt at the highest levels of government. Let's read the story. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. But the best thing you can do is share this video. Let people know what's happening with the news organizations in this country. They do not serve the people. They are lying to us every single day. And this is the worst I have ever seen it. And I can only imagine it's going to get worse from here. You don't forget to also subscribe, hit the like button, hit the notification bell, and let's read. But I'll tell you what, I have this story pulled up from the Washington Post. Hunter Biden confirms he is under federal investigation. They say federal prosecutors have been investigating Hunter Biden, president-elect Joe Biden's son, to determine if he failed to report income from China-related business deals, according to people familiar with the matter, a politically explosive probe that is likely to challenge the Justice Department in the incoming administration. I am sick to my stomach at the level of depravity and corruption from these media outlets who have the gall to tell me it is politically explosive now when we knew this months ago and they shut the story down to protect one of the most criminally complicit and corrupt families in this country. For decades, for nearly 50 years, the Biden family was enriching themselves off of Joe Biden's name and public service, if you can call it that. His brother made millions of dollars building in Iraq when Joe Biden conveniently got into office and began overseeing Iraq. Guess whose brother got a lucrative contract? Guess who flew their son to China for these investigations? The investigation into Joe Biden's son includes Joe Biden, who used Air Force Two to fly his son to China. And the media covered it up, protected this family. And now we're told we're going to sit back and just wait until this crooked, despotic family takes authority in this country. That's what they're telling us. Disgusting. I'm not going to read this story from the Washington Post because Politico just upped the ante. The Justice Department's interest in Hunter Biden covered more than taxes. Federal prosecutors also have investigated foreign ties, possible money laundering. You know what I'm going to say to you, Politico? You are disgusting. You are corrupt. And you are the worst example of everything wrong with this media. December 9th, 2020. Federal prosecutors also investigated foreign ties and possible money laundering. I'd like to bring you back in time to October 19th from Natasha Bertrand. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intel officials say. More than 50 former intelligence officials signed a letter casting doubt on the providence of a New York Post story on the former vice president's son. They spit in our faces. They lie to us and they laugh all the way down. And now as Donald Trump fights as hard as possible to retain the presidency, and he should, they're telling us that it is a foregone conclusion that Donald Trump has lost. And you know what they're doing? You see, now that we're a month out from the election and they're comfortable in saying that he's lost, they're laughing. They're spitting on us with news like this. This they didn't need to cover. They could have just maintained the lie, but they want you to know. They want you to know they are spitting in your face. Remember that story we told you was fake news? Guess what? It was real the whole time. Go yourself because we don't care about you. That's what they're telling us. Politico reports 
The federal investigation into Joe Biden's son, Hunter, has been more extensive than a statement from Hunter Biden indicates, according to a person with firsthand knowledge of the investigation. On Wednesday, Hunter Biden said he had been contacted about a tax investigation out of the U.S. attorney's office in Delaware. In addition to Delaware, the securities fraud unit in the Southern District of New York also scrutinized Hunter Biden's finances, according to the person with direct knowledge of the investigation. The person said that as of early last year, investigators in Delaware and Washington were also probing potential money laundering and Hunter Biden's foreign ties. The person spoke on the condition of anonymity because they are not authorized to discuss the matter publicly. In addition to the probe into Hunter Biden, federal authorities in the Western District of Pennsylvania are conducting a criminal investigation of a hospital business in which Joe Biden's brother, James, was involved. Federal officials have asked questions about James Biden's role in the business, according to a second person with direct knowledge of that investigation, who said it remains ongoing. I have never been this sickened and angry. Is Joe Biden compromised? Yes. What would a what, what would a father not do? To protect their son, his only living son now, or his brother, who've both enriched themselves with his help. This is a crime family. Now, they're not the most egregious offenders of crime families. The left is saying, oh, the Bidens are masterminds, but people say that Biden is, is too bumbling and stupid. Biden is old and hapless, but certainly in his, certainly in his 50 years, he used his name and connections to enrich his family in an email that was published from Hunter Biden's laptop. We learned that there was a 10 percent cut from a Chinese equity deal for the big guy. We learned from a man named Tony Bobulinski, who worked with this family, it was included in these emails, that Joe Biden was the big guy. And he said, this is from Radio.com, former Biden associate tells Tucker Carlson that Joe Biden is compromised by China. Tony Bobulinski, a former business associate of Hunter Biden, explains Tucker Carlson the questionable business dealings between the Bidens, China and Russia. Quote, I think Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised, said Bobulinski, a man who worked directly with the Biden family and expressed his outrage. You see, Bobulinski told the Biden family not to take a $5 million interest-free forgivable loan which I would only describe as a gift. And when he found out, he only found out they did when the emails were leaked. And that caused him to come forward saying, I told them not to do this. And they went behind my back to enrich themselves. Joe Biden's son and brother are being investigated for crimes, financial crimes. The media knew about this. They lied about this and they covered it up because they don't care about you. They care about enriching the establishment and the cathedral. James Rosen tweeted, Justice Department official confirms that in 2019, the FBI opened up a criminal investigation into Hunter Biden and his associates focused on allegations of money laundering, and that it remains open and active today. What will happen if Joe Biden is inaugurated? Joe Biden will likely get rid of the investigation. We need a special prosecutor now and unsurprisingly, Tom Cotton has called for a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden. They say Cotton alleged during a Fox News interview that Hunter Biden appears to be the subject of a far ranging investigation and cited allegations of securities fraud, money laundering and a crooked hospital deal with Jim Biden, Joe Biden's brother. Quote, 
These investigations span multiple jurisdictions. And if Joe Biden becomes president, then all of those prosecutors are in line to be fired next month. If there were ever circumstances that created a conflict of interest and called for a special counsel, I think those circumstances are present here. The Biden family has been trading on Joe Biden's public office for 50 years. Do we really think that will change if Joe Biden becomes president, the highest office, highest office in the land? Cotton made his comments a day after Hunter Biden disclosed the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware is investigating his tax affairs. Quote, I take this matter very seriously, but I am confident that a professional and objective review of these matters will demonstrate that I handled my affairs legally and appropriately, including with the benefit of professional tax advisors. But is it really just about what's legal? There's a lot of things that you could argue are legal that we probably wouldn't want our politicians to be doing. How about trading securities off of classified COVID information or learning about what's going on with COVID? And then all of a sudden, your third party advisors make a bunch of beneficial trades where you make a ton of money off of the coming pandemic. Yes, not illegal, but we don't like that it's happening. Joe Biden uses his influence to enrich himself and his family. And that's it. There are alleged text messages that we've seen from Hunter Biden, and they very much implicate Joe. The emails themselves and Tony Bobulinski. But my friends, this is not just about the Biden family. It's about how the media has sold us out. You know, it's really crazy. Donald Trump called them the enemy of the people for so long. And for a long time, I just said it's a bit hyperbolic and, and, and not a big fan of calling, you know, all of these people. But Trump said, no, no, the fake news, not the good journalists, not the real journalists, perhaps. But what do you do? When Politico employs someone like, say, Natasha Bertrand, who wrote this story that it was Russian disinformation protecting the Biden family while they commit crimes or while they're uh, presumably committing crimes, I'll put it that way, want to avoid litigation. What do you do? Glenn Greenwald resigned. This was one of the most significant historical moments, in my opinion. Many people may not be familiar with Glenn or they may not care that much about him or Glenn may disagree because I'm calling him one of the most consequential journalists of our generation. But it's true. I don't think it's just an opinion. This is a man who published some of the biggest revelations. And I'm not the biggest fan of Glenn Greenwald. I respect him for a lot of reasons, but I have my criticisms of him as well. I think he could have done better with the NSA revelations. And there are a lot of there's a lot of concerns about, you know, how slowly he rolled them out and the money he took to launch the intercept. But he left The Intercept, a news organization that wasn't going to let him cover this story. Glenn writes on his now Substack. This is Substack, for those aren't familiar, is where individuals can publish their own articles and people pay a subscription. It's kind of like a written Patreon kind of platform. Glenn says, with news of Hunter Biden's criminal probe, recall the media outlets that peddled the Russian disinformation lie. The now validated facts about Hunter are precisely those the U.S. media in tandem with Silicon Valley and the intelligence community suppressed based on lies. He shows from Politico, Natasha Bertrand's article, he shows this story. Dozens of former intelligence officials sign a letter warning Hunter Biden's story could be disinfo. Here's one from NPR, public editor. Why haven't you seen any stories from NPR about the New York Post's Hunter Biden story? Quote, we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories, and we don't want to waste the listeners and readers time on stories that are just pure distractions. Glenn writes, the revelation that Hunter Biden is being criminally investigated for his business activities in China came on Monday from the investigative target himself, 
And he predictably and self-servingly depicted it, depicted it as just a narrow probe about his tax affairs by the U.S. attorney for Delaware. As I wrote last night, that by itself would be significant enough. The documents published in the weeks before the election by the New York Post contained ample information about exactly the manner, matter, yet were widely repressed by a union of mainstream news outlets, the intelligence community, and Silicon Valley based on propaganda and lies. But new reporting suggests the investigation has been far broader. I have to stop and ask this question. Why are they now admitting it? Why is the Washington Post? Why is Politico now saying straight up, yep, it's happening? Because they hate you. They hate you. I know it's a bold thing to say, and I'm not one to usually engage in that kind of rhetoric, but think about it. They don't need to. There's no obligation for these news outlets to now come out and smear Joe Biden after helping him. They're doing it because they want you to know how much they disrespect you, how little they care about you, and how funny they find it that they screwed with our elections and your life. That's, that's, the, that's, that's it. If they were willing to lie and, and suppress this information before the election, they have no obligation to come out and wag it, wave it in our faces and brag about how it's real. Now that the election's over, they actually say politically explosive will certainly play a role with Joe Biden becoming president. They want you to know it is a serious scandal. But Joe Biden's going to become president anyway. It's almost like they want this country to explode in a fit of rage. Now, I'm not going to read everything Glenn writes because this is his subsect where he actually charges. But I want to read one important part. And I've had to actually remove pictures of the emails because it's bannable to show them. That's the that's the pressure and the suppression media is doing on this information. Glenn writes the pre-election article I wrote and was blocked from publishing by The Intercept, which precipitated my departure from that outlet, extensively discussed these documents revelations regarding the attempts by Hunter and by Hunter and Biden's brother Jim to exploit the former vice president's influence in China to generate profit for the Biden family. Among other things, the censored article described the Biden family's pursuit of business opportunities in China, referenced, quote, proposals for lucrative business deals in China that traded on his influence and his father, discussed the, possi- discussed the possibility suggested by the emails that Hunter, along with Joe Biden's brother Jim, were planning on including the former vice president in at least one deal in China, and argued that these documents raised the critical question of, quote, whether Biden ever knew about business proposals in Ukraine or China being pursued by a son and brother in which Biden was a proposed participant. All of these vital facts and questions about Hunter's activity in China were largely suppressed from the voting population by the bulk of the U.S. media, working in tandem with Silicon Valley, which simply prevented the story from being discussed and shared on key platforms and the intelligence community. How was this accomplished? Largely through outright propaganda, a blatant two pronged lie that these materials should be ignored because they constitute Russian disinformation. There has never been any evidence that Russia played any role whatsoever in these materials. The New York Times acknowledged no concrete evidence has emerged that the laptop contains Russian disinformation. And the paper said even the FBI has, quote, acknowledged that it had not found any Russian disinformation on the laptop. This newly disclosed criminal probe obviously constitutes very strong evidence of their authenticity as was the confirmation at the time from several participants in the emails that they were genuine. Critically, not even the Bidens denied the materials from the laptop 
were authentic. As the Times noted last night in its story about the criminal investigation into Hunter, the Biden team has rejected some of the claims made in the in the New York Post articles, but has not disputed the authenticity of the laptop files upon which they were based. Even the letter used by these media outlets to peddle the, quote, Russian disinformation lie from known liars, former CIA and other intelligence community leaders who claimed that the Hunter laptop story has all the classic earmarks of a Russian infor- of Russian information, admitted we do not have evidence of Russian involvement. We must, in my opinion, launch a special counsel investigation immediately. There is currently a lawsuit going through, uh, docketed for the Supreme Court. We've not yet seen, as a time of recording this video, if they're going to pick it up uh, and take the case. 17 states have issued a statement of support for the lawsuit. Now, several more states have filed a motion to intervene. This is the next step. Many people said that 17 states had joined Texas's lawsuit. They haven't. They filed what's called a, uh, I think it's called Amikai Curia, uh, Curia, uh, Curie, I can't pronounce properly. It's basically saying, friend of the court, that we're in agreement that we support this claim. The latest development is that many of these states have officially filed to intervene, meaning they are asking permission to be plaintiffs in the lawsuit. And this is huge. I think we should all be sitting here crossing our fingers and hoping that Donald Trump succeeds. The media tricked us and manipulated us to make sure that someone crooked like Joe Biden could win. Joe Biden will use that office to destroy the investigations, to cover things up. And maybe that's why he was so desperate to win. And maybe that's why, as a very, very old man, he's decided to be president. Why would someone so old want this job and a job that's very devastating? Why would Nancy Pelosi put forth the 25th Amendment to remove him in the event he's incapable? That was clearly because Joe Biden is likely incapable. Joe Biden, in my opinion, is taking this job because he knows Donald Trump was digging into things. Go back in time. Let's go back in time to the famous Ukraine phone call. Donald Trump said there's a video of Joe Biden bragging about getting a prosecutor fired. There are concerns that Joe Biden got this prosecutor fired in Ukraine to protect his son, who was potentially about to be sucked into an investigation based on the fact that he was a board member for a company called Burisma, which was under active investigation. In fact, dozens of active investigations. Joe Biden, in my opinion, went to Ukraine and got a prosecutor fired to protect his son. Trump called and he said, I would like you to look into this. They impeached Trump over it, desperately attempting to protect the Bidens. Joe Biden, they said, Trump is trying to dig up dirt on his political rival. But Joe Biden wasn't even running for president at the time. All of a sudden, then Joe Biden says, I'm going to run. And he steps up, even though there's a quote from from Barack Obama saying, Joe, you don't need to do this. So let me ask you, Joe Biden wasn't running. Trump started digging into the criminal activities of the Biden family. Joe Biden then decides to run. And all of a sudden it was off. You know, it, it was it was uh, off the table. Trump was no longer allowed to investigate the criminal activities of a corrupt, crooked individual like Joe Biden and the crooked individuals in his family. That was the cover. And the media helped. Special interest at these news outlets helped. These people need to be fired immediately. But it's not going to happen. We need a special counsel and maybe we'll get it because Tom Cotton is calling for it. But I want to briefly highlight this story. This is from um, Media Research Center pointing out 
that in a poll, they found 13% of voters didn't know about uh, Hunter Biden and Joe's corruption. 4.6 of Biden's total vote said that had they known, I'm sorry, 13% of Biden's total vote. I'm sorry, 4.6% of Biden's total vote and 13% of all voters said that if they knew the facts, they would have not voted for for, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. The media is actively protecting a criminal family. I'm not pretending that the Bidens are the smartest criminal family, but they're criminals. I don't know what we could do. They expect us to just sit here and smile as a known criminal family now would be entering the White House. The left will ignore it. Many of these progressives will ignore it. They don't care. They think the orange man is bad, and many of them can't tell you why. But it's because the media lied. They protected these people, and this is what we're facing now. The stories about Hunter are true and worse than we knew. Media lied and hid the truth in order to help install a compromised crony into the White House. That was me retweeting this tweet from October 22nd. We had weeks before the election. They could have warned us. They could have told the people. I tried. Many, many independent news outlets tried, and the left covered it up. Evidence of a money laundering probe into Hunter Biden was apparent in the markings of a series of documents made public, but went largely unnoticed in the days leading up to the November election. They didn't. They were suppressed. Unnoticed. That's what they claim. Rolling Stone, October 21st. Vile, baseless conspiracy theories are spreading about Hunter Biden. And despite pledges to curb misinformation in the lead up to the election, social media sites aren't stopping them. Amazing. Newsbusters put together a compilation of all the people saying the story was Russian disinformation. We now know that we are facing a very serious threat. A compromised president who, let me just tell you this. Let me say this. Perhaps Joe's not in on it. What would Joe Biden do to protect his son? Is that why he's running for office? Is that why he ran for office? Is that why, even after being told he didn't have to do this, he did? Is it why other Democrats dropped out because maybe there's other Democrats involved and they pressured these other candidates to just put their weight behind Joe Biden? I'm not talking about a vast conspiracy. I'm talking about someone who's in the Joe Biden family calling Buttigieg and convincing them to drop out. Maybe maybe they were a, a complicit. Maybe they aren't. Maybe they're Biden just said, get him to drop out. We're in trouble. You know, we've got this lawsuit coming. Civil war was trending on Twitter the other day. Now, seditious 17 is trending. They're saying these Republican states that are challenging the results are, 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 are seditious. You tell me, do we sit back and just say the corrupt criminal family has won? And the criminal enterprise that is mainstream news helped him and we do nothing. Or do we sue and we fight back in the courts to make sure this cannot happen? I don't know what to tell you. We're in serious trouble. We're in very, very serious trouble. I can only look at this news right here as Trump signs his fourth historic peace agreement between Israel and Arabic nations, potentially bringing about peace in the Middle East. We're learning that a crooked, corrupt family is going to take the presidency. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. live. YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. We're going to be talking a lot about voter fraud with hard evidence. Stick around and I'll see you all then.
Yesterday in my main segment, I talked about a woman, a Democrat in Michigan, who threatened Trump supporters, calling on her soldiers to, quote, make them pay. And, you know, I brought up how I've been saying I'm very worried about the potential for civil war for some time. And there are many people who say, interesting, we'll see what happens. There are many people who are polishing their guns who say, I've been ready for this longer than you've been alive, Tim. And there are many people who are like, you're absolutely crazy. Last night, civil war was trending on Twitter. You know why? As of right now, there are 18 states raising objections to this election, essentially demanding that Donald Trump be named the victor. It may be more than that, because I've heard people say 19 but I can't verify one one of these states. And I've seen some people uh, suggest that one of the states, I think Iowa, I'm not sure, wasn't actually getting on board. But let me just slow down for a second. Texas filed a lawsuit and they're saying that four states, I believe it's Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania and Georgia violated the electors clause of the Constitution, meaning state legislatures have total authority on how elections are run and electors are appointed. But in these states, the rules of the elections were changed against the will of the legislatures, who actually, in many instances, complained about this and were overruled by their courts. The Constitution does not allow for that. So Texas sues. Well, yesterday I mentioned when we see this woman calling for violence, saying the Trumpers better, you know, be prepared or, or you know, be warned. We're not playing around. And there's increasing calls for violence. But you have. At the time, five states filing suit, or I should say they're filing leave. They, they, they want permission from the Supreme Court to file this complaint. The states have started lining up against each other. We had five states suing four other states. OK, well, I produced that segment. And then several hours later, the total number became 17, 17. And uh, a lot of I have a lot of friends who are not American who are saying, like, what is going on? 17 states. Now it's 18. Why? Because Arizona joined. What you see before you is an Amakai Curie. I'm pronouncing that wrong, probably, but it is essentially a statement of support for the Texas. Uh, so let, let me just read this in the Supreme Court of the United States, state of Texas versus the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, state of Georgia, state of Michigan and state of Wisconsin on motion for leave to file bill of complaint. Texas is filing for leave. 16 other states have supported this and Arizona is now involved. But let me just let me let me let me make sure I have the numbers right. So I'm going to I'm going to go down and I'm going to show you the states that have supported this. And uh, well, now we have Rush Limbaugh saying that many red states are moving towards secession. Yeah. Additional counsel. We have Alabama, Nebraska, Arkansas, North Dakota, Florida, Oklahoma, Indiana, North, South Carolina, Kansas, South Dakota, Louisiana, Tennessee, Mississippi, Utah, Montana, and the state of West Virginia. So we have 16 plus Texas, and now we have Arizona. Mark Burnovich says, our office has received many inquiries about the Texas versus Pennsylvania lawsuit filed at the U.S. Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, and whether Arizona will participate. Here is my statement and our legal filing. Arizona Attorney General says today we filed a brief with the U.S. Supreme Court in Texas v. Pennsylvania. It's important that everyone has faith in the system and the results of the election. The rule of law is about consistency and certainty. I believe Arizona wasn't named in this lawsuit 
because our office successfully prevented many of the same troubling and last minute changes to our state's election integrity laws. Our legal filing ensures Arizona's interests are protected, and I look forward to the Supreme Court addressing these national election concerns. Now, there's no guarantee the Supreme Court will actually take up the case. But for those that haven't been following the story, the gist is this. Uh, and, and let me just tell you, you want to talk about Trump's lawsuits? You want to make fun of them? You want to make fun of the Kraken lawsuits? Good, by all means, I don't care. Sidney Powell, in my opinion, was was is bad for Trump's actual chances because the claims she's brought forward are, I'll just say far-fetched. I'm not saying that they're absolutely impossible, but she's accused of voting machine system and international interests of subverting election and flipping votes. Very, very difficult to prove in a court of law and would require an extensive investigation. The suit we're seeing now from Texas that could actually flip the results and make Donald Trump the president for another four years argue that these states had no right to change their rules. Now, many on the left have argued Texas has no standing. There's no injury. Oh, is that the name of the game? It is. In Pennsylvania, when Republicans sued over mail-in voting, they, uh, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said, you're too late. Sorry. Well, that's weird because many pointed out that the Republicans could not sue if they did not sustain injury in fact, meaning there has to be some damage that you're suing for that can be resolved in some way. So in Pennsylvania, a lawsuit was brought by several Republicans saying that mail-in voting was unconstitutional. The lower courts agreed and put an injunction in place on certification and then ruled that they'll probably win on the merits. This submitted to the state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, who said no. Now, Although Republican legislature in Pennsylvania did and actually pass Act 77, which created no excuse mail-in voting, the Supreme, uh, the Supreme Court, the governor, the secretary of state changed the rules around mail-in voting without permission from the state legislature. So essentially, that's how they violated the electors clause. And it's more than just that, because many of these states had executive authority just mandate mail-in voting or other rule changes against the will of the legislature. Here's why these states actually do have stand. Well, actually, let me, let me wrap that thought up. You need to be injured to sue. So people are mad that the Republicans couldn't have sued early because of no injury, and they can't sue now because it's too late. It sounds like they're just trying to jam the system up to prevent Republicans from actually challenging what is unconstitutional. But when it comes to Texas, Texas says they do have standing. Why? They don't care about the president, uh, who, the presidential election. They care about the vice presidential election. The vice president breaks the tie in the Senate. The Senate represents state interests. House of Representatives represents the people's interests. Texas is facing a Syria is facing damage if these four states that are Democrat changed the rules to help a Democrat vice president that will impact the Republican senators of Texas. In which case, Texas needs to sue now. And the left is already saying there's no injury. There's no injury. So what? Should Texas wait until they inaugurate Joe Biden, then sue? There's no overturning it at that point. The Supreme Court might not take up the case. Later today, we're supposed to hear a response from these four states and things could uh, get a bit spicy. Well, Donald Trump has called on Ted Cruz to argue the Texas election lawsuit if it does reach the Supreme Court. And I believe Ted Cruz probably will. But there's a bigger picture here. You may have heard about all this stuff. We covered it last night. Developments are ongoing. What do I say to someone? What, what, what? No, 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 no. Hold on. You know what, man? Yesterday I said 
states were lining up against each other. And it could just end here. I don't know. Three years ago, I said, wow, it looks like we're, we're heading dangerously towards civil war. A year later, with the street clashes and Proud Boys and Antifa and violence, I said, it looks like we're getting dangerously close to a civil war. And people kept saying, no, no, no. Now, as I mentioned, many people are sitting there polishing their guns saying, just let me know when, because they're ready to defend their homes. But I didn't say it was guaranteed. I didn't say it's absolutely going to happen. I just keep seeing these things that indicate, right? Well, the many, I wonder if these people who laughed are laughing now that 18 states are demanding essentially that Donald Trump be made president. What the lawsuit says from Texas is that the elections of these states are irrelevant because the rules were changed and the Constitution was violated, and their state legislatures should appoint their own electors. If they do, it is very likely they will appoint Trump electors or maybe even abstain. And if they do abstain, then Joe Biden doesn't get to 270. And if he doesn't, there is a contingent election where House delegates, uh, House delegations vote. One state, each state gets one vote. Donald Trump wins because there's more Republican states than Democrat. That seems entirely possible. It also seems like if that does happen, there will be a civil war, right? You've already got Trump supporters calling for martial law. You've already got hard lockdowns, widespread rioting this year. We have seen extreme violence between left and right. We have seen rioting in the streets. Right now, an autonomous zone has been set up in Portland, where these Antifa in Portland have set up booby traps for police and are armed and have kicked the cops out. Autonomous zones are emerging. Police are being defunded. And 18 states just stepped up and said Joe Biden should not be president. Now, they didn't say it specifically, but come on. That's basically what they're saying. And what happens if Joe Biden is made president? And it all gets so much worse. Now, I I think I'm going to do a bigger story on this later, but we're now learning Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, is under criminal investigation, potentially involving money laundering in his business dealings with China. And who facilitated those dealings? Joe Biden, the man they say is supposed to be president. He flew his son in Air Force Two to China to get millions of dollars and negotiate a billion dollar equity deal, which he is now under criminal investigation over. Not maybe not that one specifically, but his Chinese business dealings more broadly. This man would be president. No, I think this is much bigger than just some states complaining about process. I think we are already in a cold civil war. We've been for a long time. And I think that this may just be fifth generational civil war, meaning it's a propaganda war that eventually could go hot. But for now, the best way to win is through propaganda. And that's why the media did not cover the fact that Joe Biden's son was under investigation and lied about it. But again, I'll save that for later. Let's keep this to what's going on with the states and the potential for civil war. So as I, as I noted, Arizona has said they're filing. They've published a statement in support uh, on amicus brief in support of Texas. And the, the uh, uh, amici, uh, amici curiae, amici, I, I don't know how to pronounce it's Latin, I guess, is uh, uh, the plural, which is all these states supporting the, the, uh, the challenge. Supreme Court might not take it. Supreme Court might say, no, we're not doing this. I was talking to Will Chamberlain, right? He was on the IRL podcast. He's a lawyer. He's a Trump supporter. And he said he doesn't see it happening. He doesn't think the Supreme Court's going to want to be a, 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 what was it called? A court of first impression. I'm not a lawyer. But the idea is the Supreme Court is an appeals court. They want the trial to go through and the fact finding and everything. And then they can rule on it. They can't do that right now. So what are they going to do? Hold a trial? It's very, very murky to say the, say the least. But I responded at the time when it was being reported there were eight states or so supporting this. I was like, 
What happens if eight states say Joe Biden shouldn't be president? And then the Supreme Court says, we're not even going to like, we're not even going to hear what you have to say. These states are going to revolt. I mean, people are going to be livid. And Will said, that's actually a good point. I didn't think about that. Because the concern is, if the Supreme Court takes this up, could they open the floodgates to a civil war? I think the opposite is true. I think if the Supreme Court takes this up, here's the arguments, and then issues a ruling that kind of calms everybody down, we're better off. If the Supreme Court says, we're not even going to hear what you have to say, they can do it, then the Constitution doesn't matter. And these states are going to be livid, and Trump supporters are going to snap. Which brings me to Rush Limbaugh says conservative states are trending towards secession from the U.S. Now, he's warned against it, but I think he's wrong about his, his, the point he made was financial. OK, I think secession is horrifying and this country needs to remain strong and the union must stand all that good stuff. I don't I'm not necessarily sure there will be secession, but maybe how many people now on the left and right have said there should be a peaceful divorce in this country? A lot. We've had people say on uh, the left when they did the it was the um, voter transition project or something like that. They said that if Joe Biden loses, the West Coast should secede from the union. I'm not kidding. This was reported by the Boston Globe and the New York Times and many other outlets. It was John Podesta of the Democratic Party, the DNC high ranking uh, official who said it is better the West Coast secede than Donald Trump win. Oregon, Washington, California. We've heard from many people on the right Trump supporters saying the best way out of this is just to separate the blue states from the red states because things are getting too hot and the disagreements are too entrenched. Here's what Rush Limbaugh said. Conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh has suggested that some American states could soon break away from the U.S. and declare independence. Speaking on his program, the Rush Limbaugh show on Wednesday, Limbaugh claimed that, quote, there cannot be a peaceful coexistence between liberal and conservative America, which he said had increasingly different cultures. Some states are trending towards secession as a result. He said, adding that there was sizable and growing sentiment for declaring independence from the U.S. in those which have a majority of conservative or right wing voters. This is absolutely correct. I don't I don't know if Rush Limbaugh is encouraging it. I don't think he is. I think he's saying, no, it's a bad thing. But yes, the sentiment is there. We've already heard about the push for the state of Jefferson. They want to they want to create their own new state because it's up in Oregon because Portland and, and Eugene are blue, but the rest of the state is red. Why should the people who live in the red areas be subjected to the laws and whims of city dwellers? The easiest example is gun control laws. It makes absolutely no sense to ban guns across the country like Joe Biden has called for. It makes absolutely no sense for Beto O'Rourke to say, yes, heck yes, we're going to take your guns. What are you talking about? People who live in the middle of nowhere need weapons to defend themselves because there's no cops. You know, I have a lot of liberal friends who just don't get it. And they would have blanket national laws, which means if you're out in the middle of nowhere, what happens if 30 to 50 feral hogs run on your property? It became a meme where the left mocked these people saying, the feral hogs, what are you talking about? Not realizing it's actually a very serious problem. And people need weapons to defend themselves from wild animals who might attack their homes and their families. But more importantly, I lived in many rural areas in my life. And I've actually had, when I was in Florida, someone broke onto my property and you, there's, there's no cops within 30, 40 miles. What do you do? 30 or 40. Oh, I'll, I'll call it the sheriff. Hopefully he'll be here in an hour or two. No, you defend yourself. It's the best you can do. Let's read on. The talk show presenter made the remarks in response to a question from his show's official program observer about whether Republicans could ever win major national elections without taking back blue cities. Limbaugh said that the party had already won many elections without doing so in the past before discussing whether conservatives could dominate the culture. Quote, 
I actually think that we're trending towards secession. I see more and more people asking, what in the world do we have in common with people who live in, say, New York? What is there that makes us believe that there is enough of us there to even have a chance at winning New York, especially if you're talking about votes? He went on to suggest that liberal and conservative political cultures have become much more separated and that things can't go on this way. Although noting that he was undecided on whether entire states should break away, quote, there cannot be a peaceful coexistence of two completely different theories of life, theories of government, theories of how we manage our affairs. We can't be in this dire conflict without something giving something along the way. Responding to John Dean, uh, a Limbaugh's comments, John Dean, who served as White House counsel for the U.S. Uh, U.S. President Richard Nixon, questioned how red Republican states would progress economically if they left the union. Quote, Rush Limbaugh, and I guess this is a quote from John Dean is quoting Rush Limbaugh. I actually think that we're trending towards secession. He, okay, so John Dean says, if the red states seceded, they would be a third world nation. It is the blue states that keep the red states financially afloat. Generally, blue states pay more taxes than they receive in federal benefits. Yes, and much of the food comes from red states, in fa- from farms. However, California is a large producer of food, but it's the red areas that produce the food in California. We are talking about very serious consequences. By all means, you can say that you're the technological advancement hub and, the, and, the, and the, uh, you pay more in taxes, but that's mostly about you living off of the bottom. You know what? I'll put it this way. The cities are the bourgeois elites for the most part. Not everybody who lives there is bourgeois elite, but the cost of living is very high. And someone who works at McDonald's is going to have uh, make more money than someone who works at McDonald's in, say, Iowa, rural Iowa or something like that. These cities can only function because the rural parts of the country provide the base. They provide food and resources. I mean, they're not doing fracking in New York City or Philadelphia. They're doing it in western Pennsylvania in much more rural areas. So perhaps Pennsylvania would be uh, red or blue. It's swing state, so it's blue this time around. But I don't, I'm, not, I'm not convinced it'll necessarily go state by state. But certainly Pennsylvania as an East Coast state could provide natural gas and resources to the East Coast. But then uh, what would happen if there were no more Republican voters? That would be very simple, actually. If Pennsylvania, if there was a secession and Pennsylvania, which produces a ton of natural gas from the frack fields, uh, started... Uh, and, and I guess shale oil, is that what it's called? And uh, let's say Pennsylvania joined the uh, uh, Northeast. They would be voted out immediately. The industry would be ended. So you want to say that the red states would be third world countries. So would the blue states. You know why? If there's no Republican opposition, then if the Democrats had their way, fracking would be banned overnight and we would absolutely lose energy independence. TV producer Jay Svoboda responded, quote, tweeting Limbaugh's remarks and said, I mean, I know one person trending towards secession. I don't know if that's supposed to mean. He, they came after Rep. Kyle Biederman, a Republican, announced his plans to introduce the Texas Independence Referendum Act, which he said allows the state to reassert its status as an independent nation. And now Texas is suing. Do you, do you think that uh, uh, it's not possible? It can happen here. My friends, welcome to Esquire magazine. The Republican Party is now a seditious organization. These authoritarian yahoos believe that the Supreme Court will ride to their rescue and disenfranchise millions of people whom they don't believe should be allowed to vote anyway. Seditious. We're there. 17 states, 18 states, they're now saying it's sedition. Okay, congratulations. We're at the point where some kind of civil war might break out. But I tell you this, 
These people don't realize when they say disenfranchise millions of people that the view from the right is that 74 million people were disenfranchised by four states violating the Constitution. Do we disenfranchise the, you know, what is it, tens of millions between these states who voted? Or do we disenfranchise 70, 74 million because those states violated the Constitution? Framing is everything. Perspective is everything. Texas is saying, why should all of our votes not count because you changed the rules to win in your elections? That's not fair to us. It's not fair to our representation. And it nullifies our votes because you guys violated the Constitution to help the Democrats win. And they cite many things in which this happened. Ballot curing, for instance. 18 states feel this way. So I don't know if there's going to be a peaceful break apart or whatever you want to call it. But when the official narrative, when the mainstream opinion is that the Republican Party is engaging in sedition, that 18 states are saying we reject Joe Biden as president. And when news breaks that Hunter Biden, I'm not even it's not even an exaggeration. Justice Department's interest in Hunter Biden covered more than taxes, possible money laundering over his business dealings with China. Do you think that Republican states are going to sit back when a Chinese professor bragged that they've compromised the incoming president and, the, and, the, and, and his family is, 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 is compromised? I mean, this is a fact now. No, no, no it's, a, it's a fact. Hunter Biden's under investigation for more than taxes, possible money laundering for his business dealing with China. Joe Biden flew Hunter Biden on Air Force Two to China to negotiate some of these deals. Joe Biden is compromised. What would happen if he became president? I don't think the Republican states will stand for it. So I think that civil war is increasingly likely. But as I said before, I can't read the I can't see the future. Maybe it all ends here. Or maybe let me just say maybe each and every time I've said it feels like we're inching towards civil war. Guess what's happened? We've only got closer every step of the way. If I told you two years ago in 2020, 18 states would file a suit or, or we would, we would have a lawsuit supported by seven, uh, a lawsuit from Texas supported by 17 other states saying that Joe Biden should not be the president after he won. Would you believe me? Or, or people just say, oh, no, that'll never happen. If Joe Biden wins, the states are going to say fine and we're going to move on. I think that people grossly underestimate the tensions between the warring factions in this country. But let me just stress that one more time. Two years ago, when we were watching these battles in the street and we had news articles saying civil war was potential, was, 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 was very possible. And then we had all these leftists laughing and mocking, saying civil war, never, civil war will never happen. Now civil war is trending on Twitter. It was trending last night. It's still trending right now. Albeit not a top, it was a top trend yesterday. It was like number seven. 18 states, maybe 19. If I had told you that two years ago, you'd have been like, no way. 18 states would not line up rejecting the federal election, demanding that the results be, uh, you know, overturned or challenged or whatever. Where do, where do we go from here? Do you think if the Supreme Court says no, these 18 states will go, oh, shucks, geez, I guess we'll just have to accept a compromised Chinese uh, 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 president? I don't think so. I've already heard what people have to say, and things are about to get hot. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. I may get deeper into the Hunter Biden scandal, but there's a lot of news to go over. We got stuff about the vaccine. This is crazy stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Stick around at 1 p.m. I will be back on this channel, and I will see you all then.
Major breaking news. Donald Trump has announced another historic peace agreement, this time between Israel and Morocco, the fourth Arabic nation to recognize Israel's existence and formalize, normalize relations, and the fifth historic peace agreement Donald Trump has secured in the past several months. This is tremendous. And while this story is breaking, another story has been breaking all morning and since yesterday, actually. Hunter Biden is confirmed to be under criminal investigation uh, pertaining to money laundering and his Chinese business deals. And the scandal isn't just that the incoming president elect, as the media would have it, is compromised and helped facilitate his son's potentially illegal business dealings. The media covered it all up. Many people said that if they knew about the scandal, they would not have voted for this man. So now me, now we must contend with the fact that as Donald Trump is said to be on the way out, we'll see how these, this lawsuit goes with Texas and these other states. We have a president who has secured historic peace agreements in North Africa and the Middle East, Arabic nations and Israel, some of the most important peace agreements in the history of this planet. We have this president who is said to be on the way out and a corrupt, hapless, old crony who helped his son facilitate potentially illegal business dealings. And at the very least, Chinese prominent figures like the video we saw of Di Dongsheng bragging that he's compromised. If the media actually covered this, why you might have peace in the Middle East. But I assure you, if Joe Biden becomes president and by all accounts, that's where we're headed. We will have nothing but more war. Now, I'm not going to get into all that because we have breaking news to cover, and I'm going to tell you about what's going on with Israel and Morocco. I know for many of you, foreign policy might not be your forte, but this is history in the making. The AP reports, Israel and Morocco have agreed to normalize relations. President Donald Trump said Thursday, marking the fourth Arab-Israeli agreement in four months. As part of the deal announced near the end of Trump's term, the United States will recognize Morocco's claim over the disputed Western Sahara region. So we can, we'll go into that in a second. Trump said Israel and Morocco would restore diplomatic and other relations, including the immediate reopening of liaison offices in Tel Aviv and Rabat and the eventual opening of embassies, uh, eventual opening of, uh, of embassies. U.S. officials said there would be joint overflight rights for airlines. The White House said Trump and Morocco's King Mohammed VI had agreed that Morocco would resume diplomatic relations between Morocco and Israel and expand economic and cultural cooperation to advance regional stability. Quote, another historic breakthrough today. Our two great friends, Israel and the kingdom of Morocco, have agreed to full diplomatic relations, a massive breakthrough for peace in the Middle East. The U.S. will recognize Morocco's claim over Western Sahara, the former Spanish territory in North Africa, where a long running dispute has confounded international negotiators for decades. Trump noted that Morocco had been the first country to recognize the United States as an independent nation just a year after the U.S. declared its independence from Britain in 1776. It is thus fitting we recognize their sovereignty over the Western Sahara, Trump said. The deal is the result of talks conducted by the president's senior advisor, son-in-law Jared Kushner, and his chief international negotiator, Avi Berkowitz. This is a significant step forward for the people of Israel and Morocco. It further enhances Israel's security while creating opportunities for Morocco and Israel to deepen their economic ties and improve the lives of their people, Kushner said. Morocco is the fourth Arab nation to recognize Israel as the Trump administration seeks to expand a diplomatic framework 
that began over the summer with an agreement between the Jewish state and the United Arab Emirates. Bahrain and Sudan have followed suit and administration officials have also been trying to bring Saudi Arabia into the grouping. That would be insane and massive. Saudi Arabia, Israel. Wow. What you need to understand about these peace agreements is that many of these Arabic nations did not recognize the existence of Israel. And now they do. And in particular with Sudan, they were in an active war with Israel ended by Donald Trump. They go on to say, the president reaffirmed his support for Morocco's serious, credible and realistic autonomy proposal as the only basis for a just and lasting solution to the dispute over the Western Sahara territory. And as such, the president recognized Moroccan sovereignty over the, the entire Western Sahara territory. The White House said, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on relations between Morocco and Western Sahara, but it is my understanding in a cursory reading, 80 percent already controlled by Morocco. Trump is just now saying we recognize this. They're going to say all these countries are geographically far removed from the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, making it easier to strike deals with Israel and the U.S. for their own particular interests. Morocco has close ties with Saudi Arabia, which has given it tacit support to the normalization process with Israel, even at a time when peacemaking with the Palestinians is at a standstill. Morocco, a country with centuries of Jewish history, has long been rumored to be ready to establish ties with Israel. Before Israel's establishment in 1948, Morocco was home to a large Jewish population, many of whose ancestors migrated to North Africa from Spain and Portugal during the Spanish Inquisition. Today, hundreds of thousands of Israeli Jews trace their lineage to Morocco, making it one of the country's largest sectors of Israeli society. A small community of Jews, estimated at several thousand people, continues to live in Morocco. Just think about this. There are people in Israel who have their their family ancestral history to Morocco, and now relations are normalized. It's probably not that I think it was impossible, but now they're going to be able to go to Morocco. They're going to be able to go to their uh, visit their ancestral uh, homes. And I think that's 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 profound and it's amazing. But more importantly, we can talk about culture, tradition and what matters to people in terms of their lineage. But this means less war. Now, of course, they're saying Morocco is not one of the periphery countries around Israel involved in this conflict. But it's about knocking over the small dominoes, which eventually knock over the big dominoes. You ever see that that scientific experiment they do? It's not a experiment, demonstration. We have a little tiny, you know, little tiny piece of stone or brick, and then it knocks over increasingly larger and larger stones. It's the exponential increase when one knocks over the other. What Trump is doing, I believe we are on track for peace in the Middle East. And that's something people have joked about that we never thought we would see. And we're even closer. Now, I want to talk about what's going on with Western Sahara, but let's read more. They say Morocco has for years had informal ties with Israel. They established low level diplomatic relations during the 1990s following Israel's interim peace accords with the Palestinians. But those ties were suspended after the outbreak of the second Palestinian uprising in 2000. Since then, the informal ties have continued and an estimated 50,000 Israelis travel to Morocco each year on trips to learn about their Jewish community and retrace their family history. So like I said, not that it was impossible, but now a lot easier. Use U.S. backing for Morocco's Western Sahara claim has long been a rumored but unconfirmed bargaining chip in talk about diplomatic ties. Morocco had claimed the vast desert area as its southern provinces since 1975, and the Polisario Front, based in southern Algeria, wants its independence. A recent dust up with the Polisario brought the issue back into the headlines. So we have this story from Axios giving us greater detail, but I'm going to I want to stop right here and just look. Many of you may not be, uh, like I mentioned, you may not be particularly interested in foreign policy, 
But this is something that I pay close attention to because you have a lot of people who talk about the international community. They talk about the refugee crisis. Let me tell you what Trump is doing right now. What Trump has accomplished is a key component in ending the refugee crisis. So if you are someone who thinks the U.S. has an obligation to help refugees, I got one, one, one more for you. Helping them where their homes are, where their families are from. Now, I'm not saying refugees are coming from Morocco, but a lot of the conflict we have seen in the Middle East, especially as it pertains to Israel, because there are certain countries that want to destroy Israel. Trump bringing about these peace agreements is a step towards ending the conflict and the war that's created the European refugee crisis, that's created the U.S. refugee crisis. It's not perfect. Trump is not perfect. But if you think, OK, you, 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 if you care about what's going on with these political issues, this is the most effective thing I think Trump can do. Many on the left have complained that the right is callous towards the plight of these refugees. Let me tell you something. People who live in Europe who are concerned about mass migration have every right to be concerned about it. And you've got to have proper checks and balances to make sure that if you're bringing in refugees, you're doing so you're doing it in a way that's not putting the refugees at risk. But let's rewind. Why were there so many refugees flooding into Turkey and then into Europe through the eastern Mediterranean route? Because of what Barack Obama did in Syria, arming rebel groups, which eventually led to the rise of ISIS, destabilizing the country, destroying cities like Aleppo and forcing millions to flee. Then where did they, where could they go? Now, there was there was always a question about the refugees and why they were choosing to go to Europe instead of places, say, like Lebanon. Well, it's because European countries started offering up benefits and very liberal policies that was just better for them. But I actually interviewed a refugee from Syria who said it's actually problematic because they have these promises of, of, of homes and, and access to, to, to public resources, but they don't properly they don't they don't speak the language. So it's much harder for them to get work. All of these problems are related to each other. Very, very uh, a large portion of Donald Trump's campaigning of the, say, the Muslim ban, things like this, were the result of Barack Obama and George W. Bush's foreign policy, which created chaos and caused people in Afghanistan, Iraq and Syria to flee, among other countries and territories. Now, again, Morocco is not Syria. Morocco is not is, uh, is Israel. It's not Iraq. But like I said, Trump is knocking down the small dominoes which is leading to the larger that are going to fall. Think about it this way. We'd love to see more nations in the Middle East recognize the existence of Israel. Well, once all of the smaller ones do, then there's more pressure on the larger nations to do this. My friends, peace in the Middle East is something we absolutely need to strive for. Now, you may have heard me just mention the product of Barack Obama's foreign policy. I'd like to ask you all a question as to who was vice president when that foreign policy was being implemented and who oversaw U.S. action in Iraq? Joe Biden. That's right. When the refugee crisis was exploding, it was from Joe Biden overseeing Iraq. I went to Europe. I went to these refugee uh, camps. I talked to some of these people. One, some, many of them came from Iraq because of the devastation. Now, I blame first and foremost George W. Bush and the mainstream media because they lied. And now you know exactly what it is they want and why they don't like Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump has been uh, pulling our troops out, or at least trying to, being lied to and obstructed by the establishment politicians. Donald Trump has not started new wars. The first president in, I think, four decades. In fact, he's bringing about peace in the Middle East. Come to me 
complain about everything else he's done. And I will say, so what? And I mean it. I mean it. Let me tell you something. Normalized relations with Israel. Now, there's many people complaining about the Western Sahara issue. Okay, okay. But let me tell you something. You don't get to come to me and talk about all of the the things the American people, the, the left says, but what about our social issues? What about the policies Trump will bring about? First and foremost, half the country likes the policies Trump will bring about. So if you want to have some kind of adjudication between the, the two factions and what they, they principally care about, by all means, we'll have that discussion. But if you come to tell me and say, the one thing we're guaranteed is that Trump will do right by the countries that were the most negatively impacted due to American foreign policy, then I'm going to be like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't care about your negotiations here. I am someone who cares about foreign policy. I care about the international humanitarian crisis that has been affecting North Africa, the Middle East, and Europe for years now as a result of George W. Bush followed by Barack Obama. See, it was Barack Obama who got us entangled in Libya and Syria. That wasn't George W. Bush. George W. got us in Afghanistan and Iraq. The machine loves the war. They love the conflict and they hate Trump because of it. Not only has Trump not started wars, he's ending them. He ended the Sudan war. So again, People say to me that Trump is bad for this reason. Trump is bad for that reason. And they tend to meet, they tend to be first and foremost character issues that I'm, I'm sorry, don't have that big of an impact on me. Or they tend to be policy debates about American domestic policy. Me, I'm concerned about the kids being blown up overseas. I'm concerned about Donald Trump and his drone strikes. Now he upped them. He didn't start new wars, but he certainly upped drone strikes, something that, you know, he needs to be criticized for. He fired missiles into Syria. And then in the past few years, he started making a difference. Now, maybe this is some kind of trick. That's what the left would say. Trump is only pretending to care about the stuff to try and get some support to somehow steal the election. Order. I don't care, man. I don't want a Joe Biden presidency. Hunter Biden is compromised. In turn, Joe Biden is. Joe Biden flew his son to China for these deals for which he is now under criminal investigation. The media lied about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and they lied and covered up the scandal of Joe Biden because Joe Biden is compromised. All right. That's my rant on this. But let's talk about any potential downsides. This is what this is what they say over at Axios. They mentioned that Morocco is the fourth Arab country to move toward normalization with Israel. They literally normalizing relations, not moving towards it. They say the other side, while the normalization deal is a win for Israel and a significant achievement for Trump, recognition of Western Sahara as part of Morocco is a big shift in U.S. policy and a major diplomatic achievement for Morocco. I, I think this is good news for everybody. Western Sahara is sparsely populated disputed territory that borders Morocco on the northwest corner of Africa. It was formerly controlled by Spain and is now claimed by Morocco, despite international opposition and fierce resistance from the indigenous population. This is potentially bad. They say a violent insurgency ended in 1991 after 16 years, but the matter remains unresolved. Several weeks ago, fighting erupted again between the Moroccan army and Sahrawi rebels. They say the U.S. is now the only Western country to recognize Moroccan sovereignty over Western Sahara. President-elect Joe Biden will have to decide whether to reverse Trump's decision after taking office in January. Such a move would not be easy for Biden to make because it could cause the Morocco-Israeli normalization process to collapse. And that would be, in my opinion, substantially worse. Kushner said in a briefing with reporters that Morocco had agreed to resume uh, official contacts with Israel, allow Israeli airlines to use Moroccan airspace, and begin direct flights between the countries. Kushner said Morocco and Israel would promote deeper business ties. So we understand all this. They're going to say that Morocco and Israel have had a secret relationship dating back to the 60s, etc., etc. 
Yes. One of the biggest criticisms we've seen from the anti-war left and the and progressives over Trump's agreements is that, you know, Bahrain and, and the Emirates and Morocco, they've all secretly been in support of, of, of Israel as it is. It's just it's just a formality. It's just not real. It's public perception that in, that, that changes the minds of people. Donald Trump crossed into the uh, crossed through the demilitarized zone into North Korea. And then I got to hear all about how it was stupid. It was dangerous. Trump was giving it a despots. No, you're, they're wrong. Donald Trump, with no security, entered a hostile nation, a sign of trust, an important sign of trust. Trump saying, I don't think I will be hurt if I do this. Could you imagine that? I want you to, to imagine being told you can't go to a country. There's no diplomatic ties. You're, you, you know, you know uh, when I went to Israel, I was told if they stamp your passport with an Israeli stamp, you can't go to these other countries, these Muslim nations, because they don't view Israel as legitimate. So Israel give, gave me a card to put in my passport instead of a stamp because Israel knows it's a detriment. It, it, it hurts people's ability to travel between these countries. Imagine being told that and now being told that you can freely move about. There was, uh, I think it was in the Emirates, there's a viral video of a Jewish wedding. This is incredible stuff. I, I, I Look, Christianity and, and Judaism have been heavily reformed over the years, and they get along quite fine. In the West, many, uh, uh, much of Islam has also been as well, but not perfectly. There's still a conflict between Islam and, and Judaism, notably with territories pertaining to Israel and these Arabic nations. I want peace, man. I don't want fighting. I don't want war. And that's why I don't like Joe Biden. It's why I didn't like Barack Obama, because he promised me he would end these wars and he didn't do it. Trump didn't. Well, Trump did promise he would end the forever wars. That's for sure. But he wasn't doing it in the first few years. And things started to change over the past year or so. Trump has slowly started bringing about actual peace. Now, look, Western Sahara, as you can see here, they have a disputed line. And it looks like Morocco, for the most part, seeks to control it. And that's what the U.S. is now recognizing. I understand that there are serious problems if the indigenous population is not going to accept this. That is bad. And I want to make sure their rights are protected as well. This is tough. Diplomacy is never easy. And I hope this doesn't result in in more serious problems. But I'm also hoping that Morocco's recognition formally and publicly will, will, will pressure other countries, other states to get involved in recognizing Israel. And then we can finally do away with this longstanding conflict. It's really funny to me because people often bring up Palestine and Israel resolution as one of the most difficult foreign policy or international relations disputes we have right now in this country. We now have a chance to bring it to an end. But you know what? The media lied to get us involved in the war. Trump has been trying to withdraw our troops. So I'm not surprised the media lied again to protect Joe Biden, who is crooked, corrupt and helped enrich his son off of his name and office, who got his brother. Do you know this? Joe Biden's brother made millions building housing in Iraq, who oversaw Iraq and helped get these contracts. Why it was none other than Joe Biden. And that's from Politico magazine's Biden Inc. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I know that there's a lot of people who refuse to accept a Joe Biden presidency. And it's for, for these reasons and more. His son is under a criminal investigation and the media covered it up and big tech covered it up. Why? These people want war. They like war. They like conflict. They want us fighting. They don't want unity. It's funny that they say that, uh, you know, these people are the globalists or whatever. 
and that Trump is the nationalist. But Trump is doing more to bring about world peace than these people have ever done. Barack Obama is not solely responsible for, but a large contributing uh, factor and bears much responsibility for the rise of ISIS. And Trump bears responsibility for ending ISIS. What is wrong with these people? Trump can say all the naughty words in the world and he can be an awful person, but I will take these peace agreements. All right, you know, look, I think a lot of people don't care all that much about foreign policy, but uh, this is breaking news. This is history and I'm going to cover it. I'm not going to ignore it. There's a bunch of other stories I could cover that probably would get more traction, but please recognize how significant this is. And we'll see how these lawsuits play out. I'd love to see four more years of this kind of foreign policy bringing about peace in the Middle East. I understand there's potential for conflict in Western Sahara. There's always been, though. Morocco recognizing Israel and vice versa just means we are that much closer to to peace. Next segment's coming up at my main channel, youtube.com slash Timcast. Check it out. I know many people think it's this. No, no, no. Let me stop you there. Go to the address bar. Type in youtube.com slash Timcast. And when you press enter, you'll go to a different channel where at 4 p.m. I will have a video up. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.